Howard French was for years the man in Africa for The New York Times. He's the author of the forthcoming China's Second Continent, How a Million Migrants Are Building a New Empire in Africa. As French traveled around the continent researching his book, he says one development in particular jumped out at him. You notice that China has opened up large and energetic commercial sections, uh, meaning offices that represent the Ministry of Commerce of China in city after city uh, around the continent, very well staffed with people who speak the official language of the country very well and who are very busily prospecting the market and learning the environment, the business environment so that they can counsel Chinese companies about opportunities and steer business their way. At the same time, you have seen you know, stunningly, you've actually seen the United States closing its commercial offices around the country, continent, so that basically for West Africa, you may have an office in Dakar, Senegal, which will cover four or five West African countries. You may have another office in, I don't know, Ivory Coast or in, in, in Nigeria, which will cover a sub-region. Uh, the United States just won't be able to compete on that basis. So, I mean, today Obama is visiting and speaking at a power plant in Tanzania. What do you think that symbolizes? In no single sub-Saharan African country that I visited in my work uh, for this book was there a completely reliable power supply, and that includes South Africa, the richest country in sub-Saharan Africa. Wow. In most of the countries of sub-Saharan Africa, it's not just a matter of no reliable power supply. It's a matter of persistently unreliable and highly unreliable power supply. So you have countries like Tanzania, which is uh, at the cusp of a hydrocarbon boom with large amounts of uh, natural gas and other hydrocarbons being discovered. And many other countries like that, Nigeria, an old petroleum producer, still the continent's biggest producer of oil, which imports all of its gasoline because it has no refineries and which has no reliable electrical grid. Problems like these cater almost perfectly to the competitive advantages of the United States. Companies like GE, for example, that uh, sell turbine equipment and you know made their names in terms of wiring municipalities or countries for power distribution could do huge amounts of business there if there was some constancy of attention and focus and the right sort of uh, diplomatic attention from the United States. So I think that's what the Obama administration is belatedly doing. Belated, yeah. Do you see this kind of as a pivot moment moving from philanthropy and aid to more of a free market relationship with Africa? I do, potentially. I mean, a lot of this will depend whether this becomes a true pivot, as with the original pivot of the Obama administration, supposedly toward East Asia. As with that pivot, a lot depends on how far Washington is able to sustain its attention. Whenever the subject is Africa, I'm sort of of the show me persuasion. Africa always seems to slip to the bottom of the list of priorities. And so sort of awaits proof that the United States will be able to maintain its focus on economic opportunity in Africa. But a few important things are happening. One is the African continent, sub-Saharan Africa, has has become or is about to become the fastest growing region of the world, faster growing even than Asia in economic terms. It is also demographically the fastest growing region of the world. It is also finally the fastest urbanizing region of the world. And I think all three of these facts create a kind of powerful constellation of reasons why the United States needs to think anew about Africa as a place to be dealt with in terms of mutual interest business-wise and economically, as opposed to the more sort of patronizing aid and philanthropy focus that has dominated in the past. 
I read comments from the head of uh, General Foods, Ken Powell, who said the U.S. relationship with Africa now goes beyond philanthropy. It's about creating shared value and for unlocking business opportunities. What does it mean for Africans? Will they win or lose if their continent becomes this economic playground with China and the U.S. competing? China, having become as deeply involved in Africa as it has over the last decade or so, is not a good thing or a bad thing. It, it depends really on what Africans make of it. And so Africans in, uh, lucky enough to live in countries that have representative governments whose elites have a reasonably responsible sense of national interest uh, and who are reasonably uh, enlightened in terms of managing the affairs of their states will benefit from the attention of a country like China. The United States coming onto the scene with the pronouncement of new vigor and interest is the same proposition. If uh, the African country in question is well-governed and has representative government, then that country will be in a position to treat the United States in a way that redounds well to its future. Countries that don't have the, that sort of governance, unfortunately, whether it's the United States or whether it's a European power or whether it's the Chinese, will find themselves at the losing end of the proposition. Howard French, associate professor at Columbia University's Graduate School of Journalism and longtime Africa watcher. He's also the author of the forthcoming China's Second Continent, How a Million Migrants Are Building a New Empire in Africa. Howard, thanks so much. Thank you very much, Marco.